0: Hello, this is Pam Electric Ghost. Do I have Dream Collective on the line? Hello. Hi, can you you hear me? I hear you. Hi. Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of a different technology. It's primarily a smartphone technology. Yeah. Um, So so it usually works best in that way. Not that you can't use a mic, but sometimes it might not work in certain mics. (laughs) Okay. Mm. So do I have the whole band or different people in the band?
1: Yeah, we're all here
0: on the same phone. Does that work? Okay. Yeah, it works. So we're starting the call right now. You can see it's recording. So let me do a little brief intro. I'm Fam Electric Ghost. I'm a podcast interviewer and I'm a musician myself. I've been doing this since 2018. Uh, We interview bands worldwide um, and we're about 29,000 listeners worldwide. This is not recorded live. It's published after the fact. Mm -hmm. um on 11 different platforms including spotify and apple podcast so i welcome uh you guys to the program are you guys in um bristol uk right now
1: we're in bristol yeah
0: yeah so you guys are an experimental electronica band that kind of you you explore many genres so you're not just electronica but um yeah we want to talk to you about the questions we sent you and i do see you have a new single out So, we'll get into that as well Okay, great. So, we'll probably start talking about the first set of questions we get onto and whoever wants to take it on first let me know. When did you first get into music? Whoever in the band wants to take that question and like what age did you get into um instrumental or vocal music?
2: Uh yeah, sure. I'll I'll go for that. Um uh pretty much since birth. <laughs> um I first got into music, um, yeah, when I was a child, and my dad would play guitar a lot and um, play music like the Beatles and just loads of old bands. Um, And then I took up the guitar about um, age seven. And then I learned the piano.
0: So did, did you find that guitar and piano are like really good for as writing instruments as a songwriter? Or were you going at it just to learn the instruments, maybe not thinking of songwriting, but um, were you always kind of into like thinking
2: you want to be a songwriter? Um, to be honest, yeah, that that did actually come later. I am much into technique and guitar technique. And I think sometimes like people pick up in listening to Dream Collective music, um, like the kind of chords that I use and stuff. Um, so I think I wanted to become a songwriter actually during uh, like high school kind of time um, when I met other musical people.
0: So do you find that the, which, does the piano lend itself better for songwriting or the guitar just depending on, maybe it depends on what song type of song you are writing.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, we all kind of dabble in both. I think Gwyn has particularly taken an interest with like doing synthy stuff. Now and he, you know, you can play a bit of keys, can
3: you? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that was that was Phoebe's and and me and Kate, a brother and sister, um, and sort of grew up in a more folk realm, um, and then slowly moved to doing this more progressive, like electronic music.
0: So when you say folk, you started more with just acoustic guitar.
3: Yeah, growing up it was it was nearly always just acoustic, and then. yeah.
1: I learned the harp when I was um I started learning it when I was 12 and that I guess I think that really influenced my songwriting in the way that it transposes to piano as well so I think that kind of opened up the door for me writing songs on piano from transitioning from the harp to
0: that. Have you ever used a harp integrated into the current Dream Collective or you just you know transitioned totally?
1: We have tried that. Yeah. We've used it in the past. Um, we're hoping to mic it up with some interesting pedals as well.
2: Um, yeah,
0: I think it's always interesting to bring orchestral instruments into kind of like a dream pop or electronic music. It's always cool to bring acoustic instruments into any kind of setting, but um, yeah. it's interesting if you have the ability to play a harp, it,
3: that, that's pretty interesting. I think mm-hmm. home, on, you one, it. on one track, we, we've used like software harp uh, but yeah, it'd be really nice to get some proper recordings.
1: Mm. I think those acoustic instruments really add to the texture of the songs and that more like natural yeah. feeling that we're trying to create within our music alongside this more electronic sound. It's quite an interesting combination of the sort of natural and then the man-made, like where those two worlds meet.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the, the, you know, the ongoing conversation in, in electronic music today with a lot of people is between pure analog sense and digital and sampled technologies, right? Yeah. Versus even like granular synthesis and like newfound sounds. Now I've talked to some experimental artists that like they go out and do field recordings mm. and then they use granular synthesis and then maybe they'll bring in like, like, you know, a cello or they'll bring in like actual flutes and orchestral instruments and, you know, different, different winds and, levels of percussion, African instruments, all kinds of cool stuff. I think it's always cool today to kind of have a hybrid, even though everybody can be on their workstation and grab any sound they want. Mm. It's still a good place to actually bring real, you know, not real, but acoustic instruments into the mix. Is, it's always interesting to for me. Yeah. And just,
3: I think just audio in general, because we, I, I'm recently, I've been experimenting with using sort of various like sounds from the body sampling different, sounds with the with vocals and yeah just sort of being more creative with audio
0: yeah like the whole, yeah, field recordings are always really cool you know I would I, I kind of grew up I'm in my 50s and I grew up listening to bands like yes and they went out into the woods and did field recordings mm. you know for or like close to the edge it kind of starts with a field recording from the woods yep. you know they actually captured the sound of the woods (laughs) and then brought it into the record and I've always been you know Peter Gabriel used to do stuff like that with Genesis and on his own solo works I've always been a big fan of you know very experimental type of concepts to doing I even bands like Sun Ra jazz bands doing Mm -hmm. you know using the Moog one of the first bands to actually use a (laughs) Moog in the 50s uh, yeah, it's just, you know, anything that you can bring to the to the, to the capability of grabbing human sounds, mm-hmm. you know, breaking glass, you know, just newfound sounds, field recordings, you know, yeah, I think yeah. yeah, 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 it's just the age where you can do everything, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting way to experiment with what music is as well and, and how you develop and create songs,
0: I guess, and what those different emotions. So when did you guys... When did you guys realize that you had a talent for our music to the point where you wanted to create a band? And have you been in other bands before this band?
1: Um, so me and Gwyn started making music together when we were quite young, because we grew up together. And then when I went to university, me and Phoebe met and created uh, our previous band that was called Velvet Circus, which was a duo, which again was more folky And then about a year ago, now we've sort of combined the two projects and created the Dream Collective, uh, which has been a really lovely mix of what like the old stuff that we used to do combined with this new direction that we want to take the project in.
0: And so that that gets, I guess, into the question of your influences, um, which some people like are into this question or some will say, well, it's hard to kind of pin down and some, they don't like to kind of name check other bands, because it fills it boxes them in. But um, who are the, your influences or reference points for your music that you would feel comfortable talking about?
2: Mm. Um, wow. That is a big question. Uh, I mean, all of our influences are just so vast. So, it's really hard to just like pinpoint one. Like I was saying, what with me coming from um, a Beatles, uh, also a yes background um, and Kate and Gwynn sort of more folky like John Martin. Um, hmm. it's, it's about combining them all really. Like, uh, like Kate was saying, um, we, oh man, yeah. We, our writing style has also just changed so much as well. Um, so I mean I guess our main influences are like Joni who have we said Joni Mitchell John Martin, Nick Drake um, a guy called Fink Rachel Somani, yeah. uh, you know Kate Bush, Beatles, Bowie
0: Oh, Nick, Nick, Nick Drake is great I hardly ever hear anybody name check him I'm very familiar with his work mm. um, yeah I, I love Nick Drake's guitar playing it's super unique yeah. maybe it's too, too, too simple to say but it's just his tone and the way he played is so interesting. And um it has a really good it, is, it seems like in this age, a lot of indie or alternative artists have name checked him like people name check the Velvet Underground mm. or or Alex Chilton and Big Star, which are these like sometimes they're bands that aren't popular in their time. Mm. And Nick was part of that part of that. And like the Velvet Underground were part of that. And Alex Chilton's Big Star were kind of like a clone of the Beatles that came from the American South that inspired bands like The Replacements and mm. uh, Who's To Do and, and R.E.M. Mm. Name check Big Star all the time, whether or not, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but yeah, it's interesting that you've named that artist because it kind of brought up that kind of uh, influence.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Uh, that album, His album Pink Moon is one that has been played a lot.
0: Know how. Oh, that's a great album. I I, I love that record. Yeah, if wore it out. <laughs> yeah, I think lyrically as well, what, what he does is wonderful. So I think yeah, it's hard to pin down in this kind of multi you know genre age because um, people are crossing over you know bringing fuse fusion and country and hip hop and rock and then having like a punk aesthetic. I like to describe things like you know I what I do with my sound I call it expansive would basically allows me to go like everywhere. So as a expansive sound experiments means I can pull in jazz, I can pull in classical, I can pull in anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a new genre idea um, of like I don't want to be bound by genre so I'm just going to just be experimental and do whatever I want.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
3: We've used that word. Which I
0: think actually, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: um so so like uh I see on Spotify. I've only seen one of your songs. Is that the first release under your collective, or you have
3: other places where people can find your music? So far, that's that's, I think that's I... our first single release. Yeah, as this project.
0: So above, above, yeah. So I wanted to talk about above and below because it has like what's really core about your sound with this song is you have really great harmonies, which reminds me of the kind of harmonization that the Beatles had, where I can kind of see that influence, but. That kind of pop sensibility, but then there's the experimentation that you're talking about, and then I, I hear the folk, I hear the Beatles, I hear Yes, I hear, I hear you know Pink Moon. I do hear those influences. Mm. So, so it's like, how did who actually do you guys all write the songs together, or does somebody you know primary songwriter and then everybody brings in their piece? Maybe to talk about how the song was crafted. Mm.
1: So this song Above and Below was um, written by me and Phoebe about five years now and started off as a way more uh, folky acoustic guitar really harmony based song and then when we started this project we sort of developed it uh, to have a more electronic sound and Gwyn did most of the producing on the
3: track. So yeah I kind of took I took the role as like as producer on that and just looking at how yeah how we could make this hybrid and kind of bridge between the old stuff and the new, the new direction,
1: which is actually quite interesting regarding the sort of themes within the song, which are more sort of exploring space realms, and how electronic music kind of really plays well into that that theme, in a, in a different way to how it did before as an acoustic track.
2: Yeah, generally um, we it did it sometimes it mixes up because. Uh, It depends on the session, like one time, I don't know, Gwen might write a song and then bring it to us and then we might put an input in and then it all changes and then we might all just, sometimes we do get together and then just try and create something on the spot, really. So it kind of varies. It's quite interesting. Yeah, so it's
0: like, so it's interesting, like the old school way of bands putting together songs, you know, I was watching a a documentary just for an example, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, they would just you know, be in the studio all together Mm. and kind of just write it out, you know, bands like the Allman Brothers, that was like the standard, you know, like bands like Cream, you know, Mm. the traditional kind of old school way of recording, like a band comes in the studio and they all kind of contribute. Maybe somebody had a demo, but they all kind of contribute. But in modern technology, you know, you could be across the pond and somebody could be on their DAW.
2: Yeah. and have
0: a WAV file and then send you the other part and then you overdub it and you never even met. Um, yeah, yeah.
3: And that it, was, so is it, a- <laughs> it was that process essentially from, from, from out of lockdown and not actually being able to play in a room together and we still wanted to be being productive with music so we thought you know let's do this yeah we'll send each other the audio and then I sort of compiled it in Logic.
0: It, yeah, and I think that, that it, you know, based on lockdown, I think the cool technologies today, um, you know, I actually was doing this back in 2017. I actually had an album I did with an actress from Los Angeles, and I live in New Hampshire. And all, right. we never met. All we did is have Skype meetings. And she was in FL Studio, and I was working on hardware recording um, systems. And we just, you know, put together a record, a whole record without ever meeting physically. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like there was a precursor of, like, what happens now.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I
0: actually like that experience because now I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you feel that, like, when you're using that method, you know, the pros and cons of it, did, did you have challenges with doing it that way? Did you have to? It's like, I found that I had to have a Skype meeting with my collaborator to kind of, you know, explain you know in exactly what i was getting at or you know to get into the nitty-gritty when we're producing you know and finalizing tracks did you still have to have that kind of thing or you kind of left it to judgment and then have meetings after the fact or you know, i don't know everybody had their own process
3: i think it's definitely it feels less organic certainly doing that separate because you're yeah you're you're sort of you're sort of responding people will send you something and you have that time to respond but when you're in the moment you can sort of you can be constantly giving your input so that really that really changes in some ways it kind of gives your your input to the song a bit more of a clear voice because you have your time to like put your part down and then send it on so there, there's sort of benefits there's sort of pros and cons to it
2: mm-hmm. yeah like it, I guess we were quite communicative if there was definitely a I, I don't know. Someone might have come up with a melody line that someone else didn't think sounded right, or something. But generally, we would just check in quite frequently, um, so we always kind of knew what everybody was thinking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it did manage to work quite well, I think. I guess yeah. Have-
0: yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been very interested in this time of seeing if there is, you know, it, are are the all the companies that create the DAWs, Logic and you know, FL Studio and Ableton, would they ever think of creating live session
3: capability?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: So, they, so, if you're especially, you know, Pro Tools does have that now?
3: You, yeah, you can, there's, there's ways you can collaborate. It's not, you can't record at the same time, but you, they have a function where you can set up a, a sort of, it, it's like you can make inputs into the same project and then upload them and everyone will get them at the same time.
0: Yeah, I was talking more like actually having a live studio session. Wow, yeah, over yeah. like five, five G or high high powered Wi Fi, where yeah. you could actually have that session and actually get a video response, so you could actually see somebody playing, and <laughs> hear them playing all at once, and record it into the Daw and have like a real session. It's not impossible. I'm an IT guy, so if that's not a total impossibility, there are technologies that could allow that to happen. It's just nobody's ever. Re- Said, well, you know, why would I do that when I could just go to the studio? Yeah. But in this situation where people might not be
3: able to for a while, it might start Mm. to happen. (laughs) Is it not the latency that that becomes the issue that you
0: the latency is the issue, but there are algorithms within the communication standards that could could resolve that if there was a need to do it. Um it's kind of military level technology. (laughs) (laughs) Well um, but 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 you know, whether or not you know, somebody want to take that and use it for that. Mm-hmm. It's but, it, but it's possible. It's not impossible. Is people like why would they want to pay for that when you could, you know, do do it. You know, come together. But like what I'm saying, in terms of the situation with the virus, is like it might end up happening,
2: mm-hmm. which is uh,
0: cool. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of cool. Um. So so yeah, maybe more about the song, in terms of. Like maybe I don't know the, the actual construction of it. Did it take? I guess it was an older song that you took and decided to to kind of you know you know change it um or update it or or use it as like a, as as, a, as part of this project. Is mm-hmm. that your your feeling that you're you're gonna maybe take some of your previous work and continue that kind of process or create totally new work? I think yeah, we've
1: got a a big sort of backlog of of songs that we could potentially do that with. I think we all kind of have a sort of itching feeling to create some new stuff as well after playing those old songs for quite a few years now. And to see where the music takes us as, as this new project, I guess, and with a slightly different idea in mind of what, what kind of music we're creating. But yeah, we, we definitely will be using some of the old songs, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I like the result of what what that how that song came about. Um, and I think it is interesting when I've talked to a lot of musicians about like what they have in their, like you know their vault of stuff and in the way musicians, you know, singer songwriters, you know, develop ideas is like, it's like a writer. You know, I've heard that sometimes a writer might write you know fifteen hundred pages worth of material and they knock it down to seven hundred, or if a musician has a mix and they have all these. You know overdubs, but then when they get to the final track, they start pulling things out to kind of get to the true heart of the song, mm. and it's really kind of in that construction. Um, and so having reference points or having you know vault material that maybe the public doesn't know about, but as a songwriter, it's like a tool in your toolbox. Um, yeah. mm. and then there's yeah. the whole idea of starting off fresh because starting off fresh with a whole new group you know, is its own
3: you know capability there's definitely an opportunity to revisit ideas and maybe, you know, maybe not take entire songs, but even just little, you know, little ideas from melodies and and lyrics that we can just, yeah, as you say, it's a tool that we can just lift if we're feeling creatively stuck or, yeah.
0: Yeah. I found as an artist, what I've done, you know, I am like in my fifties, but I've been recording since I was like 17. And what I found is like, with sampling today, so many people sample this and sample that, but what I found is like, I go back in my back catalog of vault stuff and I resample my own material, which nobody probably ever heard, <laughs> and, yeah. and do, you know, great synthesis and stuff on it, and I can kind of reinvent myself. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting because I actually, you know, there's a little side story, I, I was listening to, Prince's like, reissue of Signing of the Times, and mm-hmm. there is a version of um, I'll Never Take the Place of Your Man, that he actually wrote in '78, and it was written. It was actually released. You know, the album came out in '87, hmm. but he had a version of that song in 1978. Yeah, sure. that he went back and reworked mm-hmm. to become like sign of the times level stuff. But he actually had that kind of '87 vibe in 1978, and so yeah. it was very inter- very interesting to hear that he had that kind of style that far ahead of his work yeah <laughs> yeah and so it's like that kind of got me interested in like oh you know it is cool to kind of go back at your in your old catalog and, and re-reimagine things
1: yeah definitely because you sort of hear it differently don't you when you when you look back on it as well and maybe ideas that you weren't so keen on suddenly you they sort of have this new sense of life
0: So, so as, as this project, had, before the lockdown, were you able to, did this project exist? Were you ever able to do live shows as Dream Collective or you, this is such a new project, you, you haven't been able
3: to do that? It was just it was just kicking off, yeah. basically. <laughs> we did three, we had three gigs, um, one in Wales, which was like the, the debut. Um, and we had an hour set for those, for those. And then we did two more in Bristol. And had a bunch lined up for the summer, which obviously all got canceled.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is kind of like the summer that I finally got a booking agent to be able to play <laughs> in Europe, and then all Americans are told we can't go anywhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so I run into the same thing. I finally got a booking agent that could send me to where people actually listen to my music, because I live in New Hampshire. And I get more people in Europe and in and, and Switzerland and Sweden, Norway, Netherlands, you know, tend to listen to the type of music I do. And, right. and, and then I got a booking agent that could get me there. And then this happened. <laughs> Corona yeah. happens. I think, I think it happens to every musician this year. It's like, okay, like the great, <laughs> the great slam <laughs> in my career. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, totally. So have you guys been, like, figuring out strategies to, like, focus? I, I Most of the bands I've talked to this year have doubled down on recording, doubled down on, you know, uh, their internet presence, their web stores, their merch. Have you guys come up with different strategies for what you're going to do? Like, your focus, is it primarily on the music or, or the image of your music or the presentation of your music?
2: Um. Well... We have a manager, Ella, behind us, really, who kind of um, is really good at giving us like a bit of a push because, yeah, I think mainly we're sort of quite music focused. Um, However, it is good to basically try and um, take hold of what, you know, utilise things like Instagram and merch and, you know, Spotify as well Um, to kind of reach out to people Um, so we've been coming up with ideas for merchandise for sure um, and also to prep for gigs Um, I know that we're going back into a lockdown now but there was a couple of places doing socially distanced gigs Um, Mm -hmm. so we were going to reach out and hopefully have a couple of those but yeah obviously now we don't know when Um, but yeah so so we're, Ella kind of encourages us a lot with Instagram as well, just trying to keep it as interesting as possible. Um, and yeah, other than that, we have a couple of songs that we've recorded um, that we're working on at the moment. So, yeah.
0: So are you guys planning on releasing, in this typical age of the playlist, are you going to primarily release singles or are you, are you aiming toward
3: having these singles become like an EP or an album? I think for the first for the for a while, I think we're just going to put all our energy into into some singles. But then, I guess yeah, be working towards. Maybe 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 we'll just do singles until we feel like we've got an album there. Mm -hmm. But we'll just yeah, we'll take them one at one at a time at the moment.
0: And if you guys looked into like I know on Instagram, you know, and I do it, lots of bands do it. They they'll take advantage of the fact you can go live and do like in studio from home little performances or little clips or even go on Facebook Live or Twitch? Have you guys thought about configuring a way to do like online shows?
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be great. I think that would be a good thing to work towards within the next few months. Um, we were on the, the Hail, in Hail My, there's a festival called How the Light Gets In and we are involved in an online festival there.
0: Oh, yeah so yeah, that that team. seems to be a more of a trend i think to be going into 2021 i think a lot of things are yeah. going to end up having online presences I, I don't know if the big festivals are going to start really starting planning for that but i've been mm-hmm. approached by a bunch of different people to do stuff like that um and the interesting thing is the way i'm a, like a one-person band and so since my whole story since 2016 i was i, I used to go periscope all the time like every saturday night i do it like an hour for my home studio, and that's how I kind of built up my rep, and then I got this podcast, but um, yeah, it's like, I've been investing in, like, multiple cameras and video mixer equipments and green screens to kind of build up what I can do, Uh, Mm because I kind of doubled down instead of paying for the the, the minivan and the U-Haul and the money to go to New York. I said, well, you know, I might as well just Mm -hmm. do it all
3: from the house, because I'm not getting to New
0: York anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, we have, we, we're just in the process of applying for some funding from the Arts Council, um, and in that we're kind of factoring in uh, sort of the funding to, to to get a new set together, um, and obviously we have to think of whether it's going to be realistic to do it in a, in a venue, so it's kind of factoring in how we can maybe collaborate on doing like a live stream Performance of that of that set when it's ready. Yeah, because it's yeah we we are looking at
0: those. Yeah, the technology is getting really good. You know, since I I, like I said I've been doing this since 2016, but the ability is to have like video mixers that automatically switch from camera to camera. So you could have like three web cameras that are pretty good quality. You know, having three different angles and actually switching automatically. You know, and and doing different focuses while you're doing it, but you don't have to have somebody running it. Um, and the ability to capture really good audio off of mixing boards and put it over the net. Um, yeah, the technologies are getting more affordable than it ever was. Um, is, is this interesting that this stuff is coming about at, at the same time that this thing happened, that these technologies actually exist? <laughs> um, is this just a matter of, of bands? One thing I've seen is bands that are even trying to get into it have kind of pointed out that it, a lot of bands are kind of built off the feedback with the crowd and the problem with doing home performance is you don't get that feedback and so if you're a band that kind of depends on that to feel the crowd to kind of help the performance then it makes it like you're missing that leg. and so it makes it kind of mm-hmm. not comfortable it doesn't feel satisfying uh to do that performance without that co- you know crowd interaction mm-hmm. what are your kind of yeah, thoughts about that good. kind of thing
1: yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest reasons for doing music, in a way, is the live performance, I find anyway, and just the, the energy you get from it and the feeling of working up to playing a show and how you can interact and sort of talk to an audience through your music. Yeah, sort of, I'm, I'm really missing that at the moment, for sure. I don't know how you guys find
3: it. Yeah, definitely. It's never It's never going to live up to doing it live but then it is again it's just like within the awful situation that we're in it's like we've got to we've got to do something <laughs> it's better to do that than
2: oh not,
3: yeah.
0: yeah i actually saw a band from colorado called tennis and what they did is they got a venue as a full band you know a, a recording kind of studio situation where they didn't have any crowd at all and they just did a live stream with the full band being able to play on a stage with a green screen and, you know, all kinds of camera angles. And they, you know, they charged like $15 for it. And, and they were pretty, you know, awesome indie band in the U.S. They kind of have a Carpenter's vibe. And they did a great, like, hour and a half set. And, you know, a lot of their fans paid for it. And, you know, I was one of them. And, it did it, it, you know, they somehow, they didn't have a crowd to have the interaction. But they, I guess they just really rehearsed their material and got it down. So they just kind of got into the vibe of them playing on the stage and they were able to kind of carry it off with a lot of energy and i know it's probably hard because yeah. without anybody there except for the camera guys um that's probably hard to do
2: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it's not it's not the same it but it's just i guess it might strengthen all i mean I, I guess if you're on your own it's a bit different but like there's i guess with the three of us it would kind of strengthen our uh into musical intuition with ourselves I guess sometimes it's quite nice to connect with your bandmates you know and like
0: yeah it's kind, uh, of, like see you're, the it's kind of like you're goods. doing a live recording session but you don't you have anybody yeah. to, like, if, there be, if that might give you a little more inspiration than just doing it in front of your bedroom you know but if you, the, yeah. these venues that are allowing you know bands to to film or stream without crowds you know, is another alternative. I don't know if they're offering that, and and where you guys are in the states, there are, you know, studios that are starting to do that, and bands starting to jump on yeah. it. So I don't know if that's something you guys would look into.
2: Yeah, maybe. I don't know if it is a thing here.
3: I mean, I'm sure we've we've. I mean, we've been thinking about doing something down those lines. Yeah. We've got very various options of places we can do an mm, interesting video maybe not necessarily at a venue but um yeah and using that that idea yeah. definitely
0: right. so what are your thoughts on you know the way the industry is with streaming and and social media you mentioned instagram it seems like instagram is a very artist or musician friendly platform it's like it's my primary platform you know i i, I am on other platforms but i find the instagram for musicians, it seems to be a really great place to like push, you know, some of your, your your material, your visuals, connect with other musicians. Like every every musician I've ever interviewed on this podcast has come from Instagram.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like in the past few years as well, Instagram's really taken off, and is much, much probably much more popular with the sort of younger generation than Facebook is now as well. Um. And I, I really like the visual element of it. I think that draws people in.
2: Yeah, I guess, um, I think we've had a lot of um, connections as well. You know, you being one of them, there's been a lot of people that have kind of interacted, like if we've needed illustration or like videos, Instagram is a really great way, especially, I, I don't know anymore how much hashtags help, but like, we've definitely been trying to utilize the best kind of ones that we think are the most relatable to us. Um, but yeah. Um, did you mention Spotify? Did you say what our thoughts yeah. are on that? Yeah.
0: Like any streaming service, like Spotify, you know, just a disclaimer, Anchor FM, we are part of Spotify. So I'm actually like an employee of Spotify, <laughs> but, um, oh, cool. but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. What are your opinions of all you know, any streaming service, whether it's Apple or Title, in terms of the way the industry is versus like the old brick and mortar method of you had to sell your tape or your vinyl, or your CD, you had to get through the gate of you actually get into a label to even get out the door. Um, what are your thoughts about the whole way the, the way you know music is distributed today?
3: I know that a lot of artists that are doing maybe a bit better from their music and aren't very happy with with the current state of it because it does eliminate the sort of I guess the way that people used to make quite a lot of money from from the selling of recorded recorded music so some people are really losing out but I suppose for up and coming artists then it is just incredibly useful to be able to get your stuff out there and really accessible so I think yeah and and I, I suppose as artists coming into that new wave we're kind of trying to embrace that
2: um yeah it's it's not like in the old times where you could hand out tapes and stuff like it would be i think the the way forward now is that you've got to basically get yourself out on spotify and kind of reach out to a lot of people and then you will you know people come to gigs i think gigs were actually the main way like earning power in modern times yeah and
0: that's been a real kind of double whammy during this time is most of the band you know, I've yeah. been in, you know, we made our money playing at the local bar <laughs> or going to New York and playing like the, the club friendly circuit, for the, you know, the New York where I live in the Northeast, I live in New Hampshire and New York is the, is the place you go. If you're a band, Boston's cool, but New York, like there's so many clubs you can get any kind of style you can play and you can get, you know, 300 people, 2000 people, 3000 people, you know, in these clubs. And, you get in, they in people want to hear new music. So it's a scene where you can go with original music and people don't boo you off the stage. They want to hear it. Um, and so that was like the primary, you know, money maker for new, you know, the type of work I, you know, electronic music I'm into is the scene. Like in, where I live in New Hampshire, there's no scene. You, you got to go to New York if they to sure. get in the audience, or you got to mm-hmm. go on Spotify to get a worldwide audience or SoundCloud or any of those other platforms it's kind of where I got my audiences on SoundCloud then Spotify and all these other platforms. And then it's kind of like the radio, like in the old days, I used to go and get college radio stations, like UMass and, you know, Harvard and Northeastern to play my music on the college radio and, you know, get in with the college DJs and get it into that kind of underground radio scene. And that's what Spotify and SoundCloud seem to be like now compared to what I used to do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys still try to get into ra- underground radio or is there any kind of underground radio or is it all internet radio?
2: Um uh, wow, that's a tricky one. Uh I think we know a couple of people. You know something like new training?
3: Yeah, there's quite yeah. there's quite a few independent stations in Bristol um and we know a few people amongst that. We haven't actually done much networking in those with them yet but we definitely definitely be looking to
0: do that yeah because people are so into the net now that they sometimes like neglect the existing radio that still exists <laughs> yeah
1: yeah.
0: and it's like another That's way to crazy. hit because there are some people who are kind of finding out about radio because people kind like the way people find out about vinyl and they're like oh you know there's hmm. these little underground yeah. college radio stations or these little underground AM stations that are, are doing this interesting music they find an interesting dj that's you know introducing them because that's i grew up with the djs introducing me to like R.E.M. or to like black flag mm. or to like a, a, a punk band like the Clash. i heard it on a like umass mm. college radio station and that's whoa oh, michael stipe that's in i never heard anything like that before i never heard a band like an R.E.M. and that's the only way i got introduced to it was because there was some kid at the station who said hey you gotta check this out <laughs> you know um, but you know, I guess on the net with SoundCloud think... is like that today. You know, but with yeah, Spotify is like that. You know, for the underground, like Spot, like SoundCloud seems to be like the underground, and then Spotify, you kind of get to the next tier. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts about the different like tiers of streaming? With like the SoundCloud um... people, and I mean the people who are on the SoundCloud platform, or other platforms, or even like YouTube. Uh, you know, people start there with a video, and it goes viral, and they, or, or even like they go on to, uh, you know, all the other type of uh, you know capabilities out there.
2: Yeah,
3: I guess we, you want to be on all of them, really. <laughs> you want to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because they're, they're so well connected between them mm-hmm. that if you if you have your your you know your fingers in all the pies, that you know you point your point to yeah. And, and and the more you do that, the more everyone's sort of shared amongst that community.
2: Yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Spotify makes me think it's a bit like you were saying actually with the tears and stuff. Spotify is like the playlist recommendation. SoundCloud is generally like someone going, I've just uploaded a track. A bit, it's a bit like a starting platform. SoundCloud felt to me. Yeah. yeah um. It kind of and underground. D- DJs use yeah, it. Yeah, it's like underground. Yeah. yeah. Within electronic,
0: there's like a, there's a whole you know, there's a lot of rappers. There's a lot of, you know, SoundCloud gets associated with yeah. rappers, but I was on the platform before the rappers <laughs> and it was a lot of, this, yeah. a lot yeah. of experimental, you know, stuff that I still do. Right. And it really, it was interesting. I actually had people from, you know, from, from these different podcast platforms. I actually started on a different podcast platform. Uh, they actually approached me mm-hmm. because of my SoundCloud because I had, you know, at the time, like 90,000 people were listening to me on the underground electronic channel. And, yeah. and then they said, hey, you want to do a podcast where you interview electronic bands? And I said, OK. And, and I started doing that. And then I ended up moving over here. But yeah, it was like it was it, you never know what kind of opportunity you have. And I never knew that that would happen. I, I was just doing it because I like to do music. <laughs> but, you know, it just opened yeah. up that I got to be a podcast host because somebody found me and asked me if I wanted to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So is this interesting today? You never know what's going to happen with these platforms because there's so many different things going on. Have you guys thought about Mm -hmm. visually? Because you have a very interesting sound that kind of lends itself to visuals. Are you working toward like, like videos and visual representations of your sound?
1: We are, yeah, yeah, we're very interested in well, I suppose beginning with the live performances, we've um, collaborated with artists before, sort of doing live projections and stuff. And currently for Above and Below, we've got some filmmakers making an animation. Oh, cool. Video, so you are which, gonna
0: have a video to go with. Really
1: it. We will do, yeah, hopefully by Christmas. Um so yeah, yeah, we're definitely interested in developing the visual side of it. Um I think it's a key part of the project actually, is how we visualise the music.
0: So when you played live, did you have like screens up projecting visuals to go with what you were doing?
1: We did, yeah, we had an old school um, overhead projector that um, an artist was um, playing around with organic um, sort of sticks and and leaves and things and making shapes that were then projected onto us. So it was a, a response to
0: the yeah, music. It sounds kind of like Warhol, like like you've ever heard about the the Warhol factory and the Velvets. They used yeah. to run Warhol like visual experiments behind the Velvet Underground. At the factory, like mm-hmm. the famous like scene there mm-hmm. where you know Warhol brought this kind of proto-punk band in there, the Velvets, and he ran his art behind them. And then have, you know, yeah. had models right, yeah. on stage and actors kind of doing this kind of strange, you know, pre-MTV, you know, experience that actually Bowie was very much impressed with and actually created like the scene that, you know, kind of spawned Ziggy Sardis. It's from that kind of kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I think it's really it's really key to the whole project, actually that it's important to mention like about collaboration as we're kind of really looking to see how how we c- can network with other creatives and like how we can support, you know, how those different art forms support each other, which I think is really important.
1: I think that, yeah, they go so well hand in hand that for me anyway, it's, it's hard to kind of separate them. I, I often see music when I'm writing a song very visually, almost like scenes in a film. So for me, they kind of have to go. That's to
0: interesting because that's been my whole Kind of theme ever since I um read something about Hendrix and Electric Ladyland, they asked him, like, why, why, you know, wh- how would you describe it? Because you know, if you listen to Electric Ladyland, you hear like birds, you hear this cosmic stuff, you hear all hear all these weird things that kind of lend itself to visuals, and he said it's a sound painting, and that kind of stuck in my head. There's like, oh, well, he sees like his music as like a painting, and then I also saw a documentary Thank with you. George. Um, 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 the Beatles um, producer um, And he indicated That he saw the same thing There's Like, I said, I, He said like I could have recorded The Beatles like they were in Berlin But I kind of thought of the studio like Monet thinks of a canvas And the studio allows me to, to Kind of paint the colors of the sound So they're not going to sound exactly Like they would in Berlin they're gonna, We're going to use the studio to create The work And that's where you kind of get the Sergeant Pepper's idea. And it kind of also had come out of the fact that he had produced, George Martin had produced the Peter Sellers records, which are comedy records that had orchestration and special effects and all kinds of other stuff on. And, and the Beatles were actually aware Mm -hmm. of that and they kind of came together where this idea of having like, uh, you know, this visual sound, uh, and you kind of feel that with Sergeant Pepper's to get this idea of a sound painting. Um, Coming across, you know, Pink Floyd mm-hmm. took it further and other bands ke- took it further. But yeah, I've always thought of that. That, that you know, even going back to what my example with Warhol in the factory and the Velvets, I've always had that kind of idea that, that video and art and, you know, acting and, you know, stagecraft uh, is part of, you know, being a, a musician. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely agree.
1: I think as well, because we're, the projects based around dreams and dream interpretation and exploring our dream worlds visually the visual element of that is really important to create these kind of surreal uh, realms and um, that the, the music's inspired by
0: and quite an interesting but well, i'm very looking forward to tradition. when your video is going to be out do you have a target date um,
3: I think roughly before Christmas, but um, yeah, we were very conscious of, cause they're doing all stop frame, stop frame animation. So it might take yeah, quite a long time, <laughs> but um, it looks quite amazing stop what, motion, they're, what they're doing.
0: That stop motion is yeah, awesome. And, you, know, you remember, you know, well, you know, uh, if you think about what, what the way um, uh, it was used in like Sledgehammer, you know, with the kind of claymation stop motion, that's always very, <laughs> very powerful. Mm, I've yeah. always been a big fan when MTV actually had a lot of artists and, you know, uh, thinking about what video should be and you get Peter Gabriel and, you know, so you get, you know, really amazing videos that took an advantage of, you know, bringing, you know, cutting edge directors and not just trying to sell the record, but actually create a piece of art that helped sell the record. But that was, you know, part of it was actually having an artist interpret the song. And then, you know, as a, as a you know, that, so that, yeah, so it's really yeah. encouraging that you guys are in that kind of mode. Because that's, that's kind of that's, that's a really cool place to be, and I, I have not talked mm. to a lot of bands in the last two years that are coming from the space that you're coming from, which is very encouraging. Because that's that's something I personally like to look at or listen to, is art bands that come from that direction. Mm,
1: that's good to hear. It's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, thank, <laughs> thank
0: you. you. <laughs> so, is there anything you know you would like to tell your fans that maybe I haven't asked you? that you would like to bring to their attention
2: oh well you've just got to stay tuned right
3: now (laughs) we've we've got our own podcast actually it's maybe worth mentioning which is scheduled to be released in december cool um and that's called that's called what do they mean so we're, we're kind of sharing our education in dreams and sort of learning more about them so we can in is
1: that writing. video or audio? That will be audio, yeah. Um, with potent- the potential of um, creating some videos, we're thinking if we get this um, Arts Council funding, we'll be able to develop that side of the project more to maybe have some sort of interesting visual, which will then be collaborating with more artists. Um, which is another side of the project, which maybe we could mention is that um, we're really keen to encourage um other artists to collaborate with us if if they'd like to in some form um and it's just really good to see where the different projects take you with with different artists and different ideas that are brought to yeah, I think table.
0: collaboration is real important in music because i think as an artist you know if you just stay in the same unit the whole time in the same genre you kind of get stuck um but if you work with other people, then it kind of expands your your mind of where you're going to go.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Yeah, which I think is something that we're really keen to try and stick to, that idea of change and development and sort of almost a change in direction, sometimes changing concept um, to explore the the human condition in many different yeah, ways. Yeah, because
0: video podcasting is, like, the next big thing. You know, audio is kind of really big. You know, it's getting bigger all the time. But I am, I've am i actually dabbled in, you know, mm-hmm. a, a video version of the show where I actually interview bands and have the visual version of a podcast where, where it streams, like, live on Facebook. Unlike this version, it can't be streamed live. It's done, like, after the fact. But, um, yeah, the technologies mm-hmm. are getting better where you can actually – I've done maybe four episodes where I've actually interviewed bands visually in real time. Um, so so it's, it's something we're working on trying to get better, trying to get it better. We actually had a problem with because of, of the virus. The bandwidth got knocked down and the quality went down because everybody's home. And so in some situations, like the bandwidth wasn't yeah. what it used to be. So we had to, to stop it because we couldn't right. get a good uh, the quality wasn't as good as what we wanted it to be. But um, we're looking into different ways to get better at that. So it's interesting you're getting into podcasting. Like we always encourage okay. everybody to to get into that because we think it's another way for artists mm-hmm. to get out there.
2: Yeah, 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 definitely.
3: definitely,
1: yeah, yeah. And important at at this time as well. I think when everyone's maybe got more time or and, and needing more things to listen to and ways to connect with people, podcasting's a, and also as a band
0: it lets your audience really connect with you like if you as a band if you guys create a podcast your fans can then kind of get more familiar with you not just from every song you've released on spotify but from actually hearing your voice and hearing you talk you know it's kind of it's a it's a good vehicle it's the same way you know the beatles use movies to connect with people with like help and stuff you know they connected with their fans and they got their like see that their 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 you know, the Beatles, because they got to see them on the screen. Uh, you know, I think podcasting mm-hmm. gives you the ability to, at, you know, not expensive to do in this kind of market to be able to get out there and, and reach your customer, you know, your, not your customer, but your fan base in a different way. It's the so, more mm-hmm. more, engaging, yeah. more likely so, yeah. that they won't turn it off, <laughs> um, which is cool as an artist. Like The more ways you can connect and actually get them to stay there and not jump to the next thing. <laughs>
3: that that's always good. <laughs> yeah, I think we we could also say like if you know d- uh, the fans should feel free to reach out to us if they if they want to like drop us a message on Instagram or if there's something you're interested you want to show us about dreams. Or...
0: Dream yeah, sharing. we also on this podcast we have the ability <laughs> to have a voice memo, and so anybody who listens to this on Anchor FM can actually drop a voice memo to the podcast and give us back their feedback or what they think about, you know, or questions for the band. We can relay those back to you.
2: Okay, great. That was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We have that ability. We we haven't gotten a lot of success with people actually using it. Um, But, but we'll try again and see if anybody uses it. (laughs) So there's a voice memo button on every podcast episode. And for this podcast episode, if you want to relay things, we can get that back to you guys. And, um, Becomes a file that we can send to you, you know, like an MP3 at WAV file. So it's kind of cool. If it's, we it's, it's, it had maybe one or two bands that took advantage of it, but we'll see if we get more people to do it.
2: Yeah, no, that, that'd okay. be great. Yeah.
0: Well, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I'll let like you have your time back for your day. Um, it's in the morning here. Well, not morning, it's like afternoon, it's like one o'clock. But um, mm-hmm. anything else you want to tell your fans before we drop off?
3: Um, no, <laughs> keep, 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 dreaming. keep dreaming. Hope that, hope that the dreams yeah, aren't too stupid. To <laughs> <Yeah>. so again,
0: <laughs> yeah, and so this will be um, published within the next hour. Again, we're on 11 podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, many, many more, 11 in total. Um, we will link this to our Instagram and create a story. The cool thing about Instagram with this platform is we can actually link to the Spotify podcast through a highlight. And people will be able to l- hit that and go right to the, spot- to the Spotify podcast version of this um, show in this episode. And so we will push that up on our stories and our podcast uh, in our podcast platform on Instagram. Uh, and then you can share that in your stories if you want. And we will send the link to the Anchor FM and the Apple and the Spotify within the next hour for you guys to promote however you want. Uh, if you guys have more material coming out and you want to have another show, let us know. And we can schedule for another show to talk about whatever project you want to do. Yeah, that would be great. Yes. But thank thank you. you
2: so much. Yeah, thank
0: you for your great question. No, you guys, you know... I only have one song to hear, but I love what I hear. And I'm looking forward to following you guys and pushing you guys out there because I really like what you're doing. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm very much uh, into your sound. And we do collab with all kinds of artists. So if you're ever into that, we we have a weird sound. It's whether or not it fits your motif, but um, yeah, we're always down to collab with anybody we talk to, so. Awesome, yeah,
2: definitely thank you so much talk to it's you later to
0: you. <laughs> I, I, I know i'm going to have you on again so look forward to that thanks
1: <laughs> yeah that's right. great. have a thank good, good so
0: night <laughs>
1: bye yeah